HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cook guests. My guest today is Sabako Okochi, who is the co-chef and the owner of Shalom Japan, which she opened in 2013 with her husband and co-chef, co-owner, Aaron Israel. And Shalom Japan is unique because Sawa and Aaron combine Japanese Jewish food cultures on one menu. The unique concept has proven successful as they celebrate the 10th year of Shalom Japan this year. And they also have just published a beautiful book titled Love Japan, Recipes from a Japanese-American Kitchen. So today we'll discuss how Sawa and Aaron met and decided to open a restaurant together, the overlapping and contrasting elements in Japanese and Jewish foods, and creative menu items at Shalom Japan, and what they want to share with us through the new book and much, much more. But before you start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start our conversation with Sawako Okoji. Hello, Sawako. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And also congratulations on the successful 10th year of Shalom Japan. Yes, thank you so much. Hi. Uh, it's amazing. So I went there uh, right after you guys opened it and uh, I was impressed. It's, it's The time goes really quickly, but your restaurant is really beloved in the neighborhood. So yeah, so good. And uh, so to get to know you first, where you're from and what did you eat when you grew up? Um... 
I was born in Tokyo and then we moved to Hiroshima when I was five. So I grew up in Hiroshima. Mm. Um, I ate a lot of Japanese food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Hiroshima is, of course, known for uh, uh, Japanese comfort food, okonomiyaki, which is yes. another episode you can do. But sounds like you had a really good uh, uh, food culture surrounding you when you grew up then. Yeah. Um, my, my mom, she was a very good cook and she, you know, she fed us really well. Um, a lot of home cooking meal. We rarely went to eat, to eat out. And, you know, it was just very, very rare special occasions when we went out to a restaurant. Because mm, you didn't have to. No, yeah, my mom is <laughs> <just> cooked. <laughs> my right. dad just liked eating at home more. Yeah. Mm, right. And, and then when and why did you move to America? So I moved to U.S. Um, when, after I graduated high school because I wanted to study abroad and I just happened to choose America and Texas. <laughs> mm, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, and you you went to Texas to study cooking, or what happened? <laughs> so I went to Texas to study uh, communication studies, and my my dream then back then was to become a translator, and I thought the communication studies is a is a good way to go about. Hmm. And something happened, and now uh, you are a chef. So just fill the gap between the two for us. <laughs> so I was uh, attending like a job fair in Boston. And I was, you know, like, I just had, I kind of thought that like, this office work would probably won't suit me. And I, I wanted to do something um hands-on, like, skill kind of job. And, uh, you know, I had not studied music, even though I was in a really great music school. Um, I was studying communications, and, you know, I didn't study arts. So I'm like, "Hmm, what can I do? And I decided, you know, I think cooking could be the one. Mm. So I, I, I searched some culinary schools and I found a few and uh, New York restaurant school was the one that sent me the you know proper paperwork so I decided to move to New York. Mm, so that was uh, 2000 right? Yep. And, and then after you graduated from the New York restaurant school you really worked at really um, prominent amazing restaurants. So can you tell us where you train yourself as a chef? Yeah, I worked at uh, Chanterelle. That was actually an um, externship. And uh, I, I really wanted to get a job there, but they, were, they weren't hiring. But instead, they uh, directed me to um, Anita Lowe, who had Anissa, and they were looking for a cook. So I went to talk to her, and she hired me. Mm, right. So for listeners who are not familiar with Chantrell, um, 
Chanterelle is a legendary uh, part of the New York City uh, or American food history. That was an um, American chef cooking um, classical style uh, French cooking. And the menu was written in uh, English. And it was, everybody really got into French thanks to that amazing chef, uh, David Waltox and, you know, the Karen wife. And I I think it's a, you should be really proud to be a part of that an externship. And also um, Anissa by Chef Anita Lowe. Um, she's a, like James Beard winners and she really created a path to great chef, independent chef as a female chef as well. So, yeah, so that's amazing. And uh, so, and you, you also worked at uh, the, the Good Fork and uh, you are the executive chef at the Lanikai eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So sounds like really honed your skills as a um, very, very talented chef. So, but how did you meet your husband, uh, Aaron Israel? So when I was at uh, the Good Fork, uh, I had a couple friends you know, who worked with me and they had left and uh, work at other restaurants and they were, they met Aaron there and uh, they decided that they were like, oh, you know, you should meet Sawa because you guys could be a match. So Aaron was planning um, like a, his work um, dinner, like a meetup dinner and everybody could bring a plus one. So my friend uh, was invited me to to be her plus one, and we went to that. I went to that restaurant, and you know she told me to dress up and be cute. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I did that, and they they put me and Aaron next to each other, and it was like a, a big Chinese restaurant with a um, Lazy Susan in the middle, and uh, we were sitting next to each other, and Aaron was he's a lefty. And I'm, you know, I'm right-handed. So we were sitting next to each other and we just bu- kept bumping our elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, you know, we started talking eventually and, you know, just talked mm. all night. Oh, wow. So your friends said it worked out very beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great job. So, <laughs> and then, um, but you, know, you opened the Shalom Japan in August 2013. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So, so opening a restaurant as a couple is another big decision, right? So, why did you decide to open a restaurant together? Um, when we first met, Aaron was already planning on opening his own place, and I was, you know, uh, I just had left the Good Fork and I was um, doing my uh, Otakara Sapa Club, and. Uh, I don't know, we were, um, we're into a library, Brooklyn Library at Grand Army Plaza, and we're doing the research. I was writing a menu for my supper club, and Aaron was researching the Jewish restaurant that he wanted to open. And, you know, he encountered this old um, restaurant right up, um, I forget what, who wrote it, but... Um, it was called Shalom Japan, and oh. the restaurant existed in uh, Soho back in like seventies. Huh. Interesting. And we're like, 
whoa, this is so cool. You know, if we ever own a restaurant together, it would be Shalom Japan, right? Mm. And then, well, you so know. Somebody had that idea, right? That's the, the book I uh, was telling you. There's uh, already a, a successful concept of combining Japanese and Jewish foods. Is that? Yeah, it was called? a Japanese lady uh, who opened it with, uh, I don't think it was her husband, but she was Jewish. And she, it was a kosher uh, Japanese place that has like a stage and they did like a shows there also. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. All right. So um, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive into the unique concept of Shalom Japan, modern version, not an Asian time. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on Heritage Radio Network on HRN. I'm your host, Kikotema, and my guest today is Sawako Kochi, who is a co-chef and co-owner of Shalom Japan, which she opened in 2013 with her husband and co-chef co-owner, Aaron Israel. So, um, so what is the concept of Shalom Japan? Um, so it's our food, you know, Jew, uh, we are combining our heritage of Jewish and Japanese food together. Uh, mostly it's our, like, food that we like to feed and cook for each other. Mm, right. And Shalom uh, means in Hebrew, uh, it's peaceful, right? And it's a greeting. So, yeah, it's like hello. Right. Goodbye. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a really cool name. Yeah, it's very approachable, like uh, make everything accessible. So, and then, um, so Japanese and Jewish uh, food sounds very almost the opposite in the cultural spectrum. So, what are the overlapping and the contrasting points between Japanese and Jewish cuisine? Um, so, when we Erin and I started cooking for each other. Um, we, we found a lot of like things that is very similar in each other's culture. Um, you know, they, they eat lox, but we also cure salmon, you know, siozake. We salt the salmon to cure and preserve. Uh, or, you know, do the same similar thing for the mackerel. They also you know, cure uh, herrings and stuff. 
um, pickled vegetables, um, also like kasha, the uh, buckwheat, and that's also um, very common in Japan with a, as a soba noodle. So we were like, oh, this is, you know, like it's food. Of course, it has a lot of like, you know, common things, but it, we were like, oh, this is really cool. Um, the things we don't really use often in Japanese is like a daily, you know, like sour cream, cottage cheese. So, you know, even though the, the pickled um, mackerels are common in Japan, but we don't put that in a cream sauce like the Jewish food does. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of interesting, but, you know, I think you, you see it more and more in, in U.S. that, you know, like, combined, like, merged food of two different cultures. Mm. Right. Well, what I hear is um, ingredients may be different, but the mindset of preserving and processing in a healthy way and kind of traditionally preserve, which survived the history because they are delicious and also healthful and you can really be sustainable too. So that's my understanding. Now I learned from you between Jewish and Japanese cuisines. So, um, so how do you actually merge Japanese and Jewish elements on the menu? Uh, maybe you can give us some examples. Um, it's... So when we were first dating, we were, you know, we talked a lot about each other's food and, you know, like I cooked for him and he cooked for me. Um, so when Aaron first made me matzo ball soup, mm -hmm. he, you know, he used the whole chicken and he was explaining like he wants to like make it whole mishpuka, meaning like using the whole thing of a bard and use each part of it. And uh, he he was telling me that he likes to put like egg noodle in it because that was his favorite meal growing up. And he, he said, you know, but egg noodle is it's it, it doesn't just quite hit the right note for me, you know. And I was like, why don't you use the ramen noodle? <laughs> it was like, you know, he he didn't think about that was that would be great, but. To me, it was like, oh, my God, you have to use a ramen noodle. It will be mm. perfect. And he was like, oh, my God. You know, and that was the first um, matzo ball ramen mm. first story. <laughs> right. So it's kind of add more chewiness and also like textual variation because of the curly and uh, alkaline noodles. Is that some additional depth to the dishes? Yeah, and then we also, you know, I, I suggested uh, we add, like, um, nori, the seaweed. And, you know, he was making the dumpling, and then we kind of cold made it to gyoza, which, you know, I, I showed him the fold. So it was, it you know, it kind of started from the noodle, and then it kind of added a few more things to be more, uh, a little more Japanese. But, you know, mm. when we make, create dishes... We sometimes we think about it, but sometimes we're like, "Oh, this is just good enough that you know we don't have to do anything." So some some dishes mm -hmm. are like more Japanese than Jewish, and you know, vice versa. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at actually the menu, and uh, 
what really it makes sense it's natural organic um, progression of how you, you've developed your ramen dish um i see um for example this okonomiyaki like where hiroshima where you're from okonomiyaki is we talked earlier that's mm-hmm. a speciality of the region but do you have wagyu pastrami and sauerkraut and bonito flakes it's like a umami bomb and comfort <laughs> yes. food okonomiyaki and wagyu pastrami that's like so jewish but so japanese as well so yeah that, that's amazing and um yeah i also got interested in um yeah so this one uh Luxbow. uh not this one uh sorry it's like the menu is very compact but there's so much in there like sesame timumi mazame um like umami of mushrooms and also i mean you can really um like you know packed flavors umami with the jewish flavors which is more approachable in a western context and this uh, sakekasu uh, hara golden raisin butter so sakekasu uh-huh. is so umami and uh, i'm just how do you develop uh uses the regularly talk with the iron and just how you play with different flavors to com- to combine um it's it yeah it's kind of like a natural process for us because we talk about food all the time <laughs> you know like our daily conversation like what are we eating for dinner mm. um but you know when we go out to eat and then we ate something like like really interesting you know we're like oh how would we recreate that you know like how would we make it us you know sometimes we do that um you know mm. i don't know sometimes we have a starting point of like i want to make this this dish or sometimes it's the ingredients that you know oh like this is in season let's, let's make you know something with this you know it's that's sometimes it depends right well it's very i can see very uh well thought out menu like lion's mane karage it's like lion's mane of course that's very uh cool ingredient right now so and do you guys change the menu often like seasonal um uh, a few things we do change and you know like ramen or lox bowl or uh, sando we don't change because it's just kind of become a staples yeah jew egg we change the the toppings and sauces and stuff because it's, it's it could be a very seasonal dish right okay so this is like currently a spring jew egg so which is what kind of dish is it So it's a soft boiled egg wrapped in falafel and it comes with um like hummus and you know the like grain right out it's like tomatoes and cucumbers and um fresh peas and stuff like that. Mm, sounds amazing. Yeah, so like nigella seeds, harissa, all those like a different um Dorestan elements. So yeah, it's a very interesting unique menu, but there's nothing you force to mix different culture. It's very natural. So, yeah, I'm am impressed. I haven't been there for a long time, but yeah, I have to go back. Um yeah, please. Oh. <laughs> um and then uh your location is very cool, I have to say. So, you chose the south side of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um so people saying Williamsburg like Bedford Avenue is like almost coming becoming like a, a kind of Manhattan lately but uh yeah. you 
area is unique, right? So how do you describe your neighborhood and、uh, why did you choose the location?、Um, neighborhood is very、um, residential and、uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Dominican and Puerto Rican families they've been living there, but there's also like A lot of new buildings coming up, and you know, a lot of new newcomers coming, a lot of young people.、Um, it's a it's you know, it's a great area for I don't know for us because、mm. we've been there for 10 years. But when we first found the location,、um, it was called Mama's Restaurant, and the, the owner was advertising it as a pop up place. and When we were looking for a location, we were like, oh, maybe we'll do a pop up. Meanwhile, you know, because we, we were looking and looking and couldn't find anywhere. So we went to check it out and we found out the,、uh, the owner is also selling it. So, you know, we're like, hmm, maybe this is, could be a cool place.、Mm. So we went for it. Right. Awesome. Yeah, like you said,、um, I mean, this neighborhood is changing quickly, and、mm-hmm. I'm sure you get more、um, like high rise uh, residential uh, residents、uh, who are really willing to try something new, like your place. So, sounds like you are in a good place, right place at the right time. So, yeah, so. Um, now, let's talk about your new book. So, you've just published a beautiful book, Love Japan. Recipes from a Japanese American Kitchen. So, what is the theme of the book, and、uh, what did you want to communicate to your audience when you,、uh, you and Aaron wrote it? So,、um, the book is for you know, home cooks and you know, who w a n t to cook、uh, Japanese home cooking recipes. And when we actually, when we were first talking about writing a book, Our first proposal was more、um, restaurant recipes. And、uh, we couldn't find the publishing companies to, to publish it because they all said like, the recipes are too complicated. <laughs> and so we kind of switched the direction to、uh, home cooking. And、uh, luckily, we got 10 Speed Press to、uh, publish the book. So, We, we were writing, and then Aaron encouraged me to like, write the recipes that I cook at home. You know, I didn't think much of it, you know, because it's such a it's very natural for me to cook Japanese food for my children.、Um, but, you know, he said it's very unique to most Americans. So, you know, I wanted to show that Japanese home cooking isn't complicated, you know. If you get like a few items in the pantry and you know, make it a few times, you know, we can make it your, your own stuff. So,、mm. right, yeah, I have to say, I'm looking at、uh, this whole list of the menu and contents, and it's like a best hit of Japanese cuisine. I mean, Japanese <laughs> home cooking, and yeah, yeah, I'm hungry by looking at those things, and、um, it's not just a classic. Uh, ingredients、uh, like you know, hijikini, like that's the izakaya staple, like kimpira. But、yeah. you have this、uh, shokpan, like a Japanese milk bread, which now everybody wants to bake. 
especially mm-hmm. after COVID baking boom. And uh, yeah, like uh, katsando is like, you know, if you just go to Japanese convenience store, you have to find katsando. And it's the healthy chicken version. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing. So how many recipes do you have? It's like... Uh, I think it's over 80. We have to cut a lot of recipes because um, there are a lot of words. But yeah, we I think we have over 80 Mm. Yeah, and the beautiful pictures. And yeah, this is really, I, I'm not just saying because we are on the show. I, I think this is, you know, explaining good ingredients, basic ingredients to how to make Japanese food at home, which I think everyone wants to try because it's so healthy and uh, comforting. Yeah, thank so. you. Yeah, I hope everybody will try. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting like, you know, sent pictures sent from my friends that they tried this and that. and. Like, yay, it's great. So did Aaron um, input some Jewish elements to your book? Yeah, uh, he he put, you know, a few items, recipes in there. And uh, a matzo ball ramen, not the restaurant version, but the home cooking version. Right. Okay. So, so basically, um, whenever our, if our listeners wants to um, buy this book and cook Japanese food, you can basically get a classic Japanese home dishes and also some uh, American twist in a few dishes. Is yes. that the way, right? Yes. Okay, great. So um, where is this book available? Uh, I think you can get them at major... Most major bookstores now, and you can also get it on Amazon. Um, okay. Barnes and Noble. Right, and I mean, this book really looks beautiful, like a very beautiful blue, and then Japanese rice ball top, and Love of Japan. So the title again is Love of Japan: Recipes from a Japanese American Kitchen. Uh, so congratulations! Thank you. The, the cover is actually a locks ball. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here and there. And, all right. So, and uh, so you are busy as a chef, mom, and now cultural ambassador through so this book as well. So, um, what excites you most about doing what you're doing now in your life? Um, I mean, it's been, you know, my thing to cook for people you know my last um 20 years and i love watch people eat the food i I make and you know be happy and now it's you know such pleasure to watch my kids eat and then tell me that it's oishi (laughs) delicious Um, oishi oishi yeah and you know it's japanese food is just not sushi or just ramen you know it has many more sides to it that you know and it's it is my pleasure to show that the people, the people that you know, and then people get like excited and it's like, wow, this is really good. Mm. How old are they, your kids? Uh, so the big ones eight, and the little ones three. Mm. Lucky them. So do they prefer certain dishes, or Japanese, or Jewish, or any favorite? Noodles are their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, it's universal. Yeah, it, they love the uh, somen or udon. Um, they also love ramen, you know. Mm, they right. also like pizza, you know, onigiri. Mm. Right. All carbs. That's what they do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you have to grow. Yes, so. let's make them grow. Yeah. So what are your plans and dreams? Um, well, my summer plan is to spend more time with my kids. You know, we're going to Japan uh, for a little while in July and you know, be there for a little bit. Um, I don't know, the dream maybe to write another book or maybe another place in Japan, maybe. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, these are two big dreams, especially the latter. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to happen. I think uh, Jewish cuisine... Uh, is not known enough as it deserves in Japan. So, yeah, hopefully you can make it and then the deliciousness of this deep food culture. So good luck and uh, well, keep me posted. If uh, any of those and something else happens, uh, you can just come back and talk on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, where can we find your updates online and on social media? Um. We do Instagram as a the restaurant Shalom Japan. I also do the Instagram Salako Food, and I update some food that I make at home or the restaurant. Right. Okay. And your website is uh, the Shalom Japan NYC dot com. Right. It's one word Shalom Japan NYC dot com. Yes. And uh, yeah, I found uh, the information on the book as well. So yeah. So. Uh, well, I know you're so busy in many ways, so good luck and uh, please say hi to Aaron. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today, Sawa. Thank you. So, okay, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneats at heritageradionetwork.org or at kikokatayama.com. Japan News is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is uh, Liam Warners, and thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.